Reformation Fellowship provides support and fellowship to all who would stand for the reformation of Christ's church worldwide. We long to see the church revitalized by the gospel and seek to encourage all who share that vision. We gather together for gospel-hearted fellowship around gospel-minded theology. We are a ministry of unity. Greetings, friends, and welcome back to the Reformation Fellowship. My name is Justin Schell, your host, and I hope our conversation today stirs an affection for Christ in your heart and a joy in the Lord as you seek to know Him and serve Him. Today, we are having the first of three conversations with Dr. Natalie Brand. Natalie serves as the tutor for women at the Union School of Theology based in the UK, and we're excited as I said, we've got three conversations with her. This first one is on union with Christ and how it is the foundation for gospel ministry. Let's dig in now. Natalie, welcome to the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. We're so glad you could join us today. Thank you. It's a real privilege to be here. In this conversation, so we, we get you for three episodes, so thank you in advance for, for what's ahead. In this conversation, we're going to be looking at uh, the doctrine of union with Christ and its application and importance in the in, for the believer and for the gospel minister. Personally, I'm really excited about the topic, and so for those of our listeners who may may not be as familiar with the phrase union with Christ or that doctrine, could you could you help us understand how how that phrase is used, perhaps in a variety of ways, and 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 more so what, what you mean by it as we get started. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the doctrine of union with Christ comes straight from Scripture. It's a thoroughly uh, biblical and particularly New Testament theme, obviously. Um, and uh, we, all, we all think of Paul immediately with his in Christ formula that appears kind of consistently throughout mm -hmm. um, his letters. And he seems obsessed with this idea of being in Christ, um, um, so that is the most obvious place, um, but 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 Christ uses it a lot, talks about it a lot in his own teaching. Particularly, we see it in uh, in John's Gospel. Um, John obviously was very um, kind of attuned to this. So in John six, we um, read a long kind of dialogue, if you like, between Christ and his, his teaching, and the Pharisees are there and they're getting upset, and he's talking about the fact that he is the bread of heaven. And, uh, and in verses uh, 53 to 56, he talks about um, if, you, if you don't eat the bread of heaven, if you do not have any, anything to do with the bread of heaven, there is no life. And, there, and, and, and so he, you, he, he's, he's saying that, you know, without the bread of heaven, you, you will perish. So there's that, that idea of, of eating. It's almost kind of Eucharistic or it kind of has this Lord's Supper kind of um, language in it. Mm. Um, and preempts that. And in, in John 15, um, we obviously end with the fruit and the, and the vine. He talks about abiding in him. And there's this mutual abiding, we and him and he and us. Mm -hmm. um, so and that's a very strong um, kind of biblical, I don't want to say data because scripture isn't data, but, but you, you know what I mean. And John 17, there's um, in the high priestly prayer, in verse 21, um, Christ is, is praying to the Father that, that as he and the Father are one, 
that that we would be one and that we would be one with him and so there's that union language there too so certainly it pervades Pauline writing um and and certainly in John there's some wonderful straight from straight from the Lord um teaching on union with Christ and and so from that um from from that test um New Testament um scriptures the patristics took it on um the the reformers certainly did. Calvinism is an, is an obvious one who, again, like Pauline theology in his institutes, is just constantly talking about union with Christ. Uh, the Puritans very much saw union with Christ uh, and communion with Christ, so salvation and spirituality to kind of be um, wrapped up in one another. Mm. Um, yeah. And so, well, what 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 does the phrase mean? Well, essentially, it's mysterious. We read that bit we in, in Ephesians five that it's a mystery. What he's he he likens Paul likens union with Christ with marriage between a husband and wife, and he says that it's it's a what I'm talking about is Christ in the church, but it's it's a mysterious right. thing. Um, and so actually, we can't know it fully. Um, that was something that John Flavel really made the point. This is something that we cannot know to all its entirety. But what we do know is that obviously it's a spiritual union between, between Christ and believers, both individually and corporately. Uh, it is forged or bind, we are binded together by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And this union means then that Christ's death becomes our death and his resurrection becomes our resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's, so, it's so key. John Murray said it was the center of salvation. Union with Christ was the center of salvation. But really it is salvation um and we know you know in in ephesians 1 um verse verse 3 every blessing is in christ so from this kind of hub if you like i think michael horton uses that term this hub of of union with christ all these gospel graces that you find in blessings in christ um the order salutis all of these come out of that hub of union with christ Mm. so everything flows from our union with jesus yeah. Um, and and it's so important, isn't it? Because without that, Calvary is just suspended in time, and it doesn't have any relevance to us now. Um, but because we're in union with Christ, the spiritual forging of Christ, we're admitted into Christ, if you like. Calvary therefore has its power today, wherever yeah. we may be geographically and temporally and spatially. So, so yeah, it really is the centre of everything. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It, I, you you said the the Horton picture there of hub. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm thinking of of other images we have in the New Testament that, f- for me, seem to communicate something around union with Christ. You've mentioned divine marriage and mm-hmm. vine and branches, but even when you think of adoption and, mm-hmm. and we are united to Christ, our brother, we are brought into the family of of our father in, in Christ. Um, it does seem like there's this constellation of, uh, of word pictures, mm-hmm. of, um, metaphor that are circling this, uh, this larger central idea of being yeah. united. We're, we're being brought in, into, into God in Christ. And the building, the uh, stones, and the Christ is this cornerstone, and, right. and the body and the head, and, and in 1 Corinthians 12, and also in Colossians, Christ is the head of the church, and we are members of the body. Um, yeah, so like you say, so much pictorial language. Mm. Why do you think um, 
this may be just another way of asking what is union with Christ, but when you take into account all of those pictures, hmm. what, what do you, what's the Bible trying to tell us with all of these union uh, images? Yeah, it's a good question. I Something that I recently wrote a book um, in the Good Portion series, which is a little um, a series for, for women on doctrine written by women to get them um, particularly passionate about doctrine. And something that really came out, I wrote the one on salvation, was that our salvation is a person. It's not, it's not a load of dusty concepts or long words and technical kind of um, theoretical theological kind of theories it's a person it's the incarnate second person of the trinity and and that is what union with christ is it centers salvation and the work of of the father in saving sinners the people for himself in the person of jesus um and so i for me when you know when we when we read all this stuff in paul and in in theology you know theologians like calvin and owen and others who who really kind of get into the nitty-gritty it's just again underlining that that point that that salvation is a person it's it's Jesus Christ and and us being married knitted together um spiritually um and so I think that's what all those those pictures are doing um that that the that um the believer can do nothing without Christ um you know if, if a branch falls from the vine it is dead it can do nothing um, if, a, if a head is taken from the body, the, the body is dead. Um, mm. So it's, we just have our everything in Christ, our regeneration, our vitality, our spiritual life. Um, and frequently Paul is talking about union with Christ, talking about being made alive in Christ. Without mm. Christ, we are spiritually dead. We remain um, in sin. But with Christ, we, are, <laughs> we have everything. We have every spiritual gift and every spiritual blessing and we have this generous bounty of mm. salvation and I don't know about you but I love Thomas Goodwin's picture of these two giants there's the giant of Adam and the giant of Christ this kind of federal headship picture he has and and uh, Edward Donnelly kind of unpacks it in his heaven and hell book and that each giant and each federal head has these millions of hooks on their belt and we're all born in Adam we're all hanging off Adam dead in our sin and it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit when he takes our faith as a gift from, from God. And we are then united to Christ. We're taken from Adam's belt, put um, onto Christ's belt. And we cannot swing ourselves off any belt. We remain either fully on Adam or fully on Christ. Mm. And that is the picture, I think, that, that we're now we're hanging off Christ's belt and all the generous bounty that we have there. Um, and we belong fully to him. None can pluck us from his hand off on said belt <laughs> yeah mm. yeah I find that helpful yeah yeah that's beautiful I, I think of on the one hand what I'm really hearing in in some of what you shared here is it illustrates our deep need mm. our great inability to to save ourselves to uh, promote ourselves to have anything within us and, and so we need we need Christ. We need all of Christ. I'm reminded, too, on, on his end, we, we don't think he gets much when he gets us. <laughs> but um, I love his that statement in John 17. I, I desire that they would be with me mm. where I am and to see my glory. And 
There's something about the heart of Christ that we see too in this picture of union, isn't there? Mm, absolutely, yeah. And, and we can't get enough of that um, verse in Hebrews for the joy set before him. And so that it was a joy, even though there was sweat and tears in Gethsemane, there's a joy in the obedience to go to the cross and save sinners. Um, and you, you mentioned adoption. Well, when I did some work on adoption on this book on salvation, I was hearing this kind of pictorial kind of um, earthly like blueprint of earthly adoption and, and these, these talking to these couples who had adopted and saying the joy they felt when that child was declared by the judge to be theirs, yeah. the mammoth joy. And it just really hit me as I was writing. I was like, wow, that joy. When, when we're adopted into God's family, we're talking about parental joy. So that's the joy of God when we are adopted into his family. That's the joy of heaven that a sinner has been made, made um, you know, part of God's people and saved and redeemed by the work of Christ. Um, so, yeah, so... There must be that, mustn't there? That you think mm. if if a if a earthly parent is full of joy, but they want to get on their knees because they're so happy this child belongs to them, how what is the joy of heaven like when mm. yeah. when we are fused to Christ? Well, even in in what you're sharing there, I, I think I can start to see some of the answer to my next question. But you know, you could hear the phrase union with Christ or the doctrine of, of union with Christ and maybe mistake it for just simple, empty theology. This makes a major difference in the life of the believer, at least uh, the, the theologians you, you've already mentioned would say that. How does, how does union with Christ impact the life of the believer? Yeah, so the, um, that is just the crunch thing, isn't it? Um, when I was doing my research at Union about 12 years ago um, into Union with Christ, I was seeing that it's not just the center of our salvation. It's not the way that we are saved. It's the center of our spirituality. It's the center of our, our Christian walk. Um, and, and it's so lovely that those are the same thing. And you know, we kind of feel we're saved by grace. And then once we belong, belong to the Lord, he just kind of, opens the door and we're there and he leads us to get on with it. <laughs> but mm. that he walks through us, the same grace that, that saves us is the grace that keeps us through the Christian life and all the trials and temptations and sufferings and despairs and questions that, that might be in that. Uh, so it's the same grace and it's the same thing. Our union with Christ is our salvation and it's our spirituality. And we do not need to separate how we're saved from our Christian walk. Um, and the Puritans didn't do that. And, um, and maybe the spirituality was much more robust because of it. Um, yeah, union with Christ is not a dry doctrine. It's one that we can appropriate every single moment of the day when we're driving a car, walking a dog, parenting, we're at work, having a difficult time with in relationships or with our boss or school, whatever it may be, union with Christ informs everything that we do and everything that we are. Um, I think we've got that. We've had so many books come out about identity and how we find our identity in Christ, mm. but not just about our identity, but how we do life. Mm. Um, absolutely everything. It pervades everything. Before we get back to our conversation, we want to let you know how you can become a member of the Reformation Fellowship. You've heard our heart here in interviews. You, you hear it every time 
a new episode opens up. You hear we, we're here to gather like-minded, like-hearted gospel ministers to uh, know one another, to encourage one another, and to partner together for the Reformation of Christ Church worldwide. That's what we're about. And if that's your heart, you can go to reffellowship.org and register a free membership. That gets you access to some some discounts, some free goodies, access to, we're going to do some live live conversations through Zoom with church leaders, with leading theologians and scholars as well. So go there to, to find out all about the benefits of membership. But I do want to draw your attention to one more benefit. March 22nd, 2022, in Naperville, Illinois, we're going to host a Reformation Fellowship gathering. It is a gathering for members of the fellowship and special invitees only. So we hope you'll join the fellowship. And we also hope you will consider joining us for what we're calling the Welcome to the Fellowship Gathering. This is a gathering of pastors, planters, theologians, and leaders seeking to know and encourage each other, as well as to consider an invitation to greater gospel unity and partnership. The schedule will include plenary addresses by leaders such as Michael Reeves, Dane Ortland, and Dustin Binge, as well as specific times for intentional networking and fellowship. It's a one-day gathering hosted by Naperville Presbyterian Church there in Naperville, Illinois. Again, go to reffellowship.org to join the Reformation Fellowship and to find details about the Welcome to the Fellowship gathering. That's March 22nd, 2022. We hope you'll put it on your calendar and we hope to see you there. Yeah, can you think of a, an example in your own life? Yeah, okay. So, you know, your parenting or your, your, yeah. your, your marriage or, or work, and all of a sudden something's up and, and in union with Christ is, is a medicine in that moment for you? Yeah, yeah. And um, this is something that I have had to think about for like 15 years. Like you're writing books about union with Christ, Natalie. How is it changing your life? How are you actually living this mm. out? So, yeah, it's something I think about a lot. Okay, for example, like road rage, which is a real thing, isn't it? Which so many people have to deal with. So imagine somebody's cutting in front of you and you and your pride really wants you to honk the horn and get cross with that person. And we see this all the time on the road. And it's just like, there's the, the death of self, isn't there, in union with Christ? Like Paul says, you know, it is no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives. Um, and so if we, if this, the old self has died and the new self is now alive and it's Christ that is living, you know, Paul says, if I die, then I go and be with the Lord. But if I stay, then, then there's more of Christ. And, and so, you know, I just, I just think at that time it cuts through and say, actually, this is Christ living now. And Christ is not bothered about that kind of thing you know he, he went to the cross what's a bit of road rage mm. um so it just kind of it helps you die to self um it helps you mortify sin in that way it helps you just cut down that ugly green pride that raises its head and we see throughout the world just creating this this discord and disharmony on every every part of human life so yeah but just the, the dying to self um mm. And, and, you know, with parenting, you know, you're not listening. You're not listening. I've told you this a million times. You must pick up whatever it is, your socks or clear up, find your glasses or whatever it is. Um, but just you don't need to get upset. The child is not offending you. 
you don't need to allow your human pride to rear up and get angry um, you, because you're living Christ. You are Christ to that person now. It's Christ's life living in you. Do you know what I mean? So, like, it's it's definitely death to self and that constant mortifying of self. And, you know, one thing I've seen that feminist theology has got right is that pride is the root of every mm. sin. Um, and, and I think that is one way for my own personal walk that I found it really kind of applicable. It's interesting that um, that that picture of, of dying mm. often goes along with these images of um of being in christ or or maybe and sometimes dying sometimes pruning um mm. but i i think of colossians saying that our life is hid mm-hmm. with christ okay. in god mm. and the whole kind of the, the context there as you know is we're not living uh for for what is seen we're not we're not looking to what is what it what it what seems to be the reality of this world but we're looking above and, and that yeah let me let me just turn there for i want you to know so so this language of being raised with christ in uh, colossians 3 1 if you have been raised with christ seek the things that are above where christ is mm-hmm. seated at the right hand of god set your mind on the things that are above not on things that are on the earth for you have died your life is hidden with christ in god when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Help us connect those two ideas, if, if we can. Um, what does dying have to do with being in Christ? Yeah, so Paul talks about the fact that um, Christ was buried and we're buried with him in Romans, um, Romans 6. Mm. Um, there's that kind of baptism language, isn't there? And then, um, and then we're raised with him. And I guess, and the, and I guess if you if you think about it this way, that the old self is still in the grave, in in Christ's grave, even your own self, your old self is in Christ's grave, and your new self that is in union, full glorious union with Christ, mm. has has come out of of Christ's grave, because that's the whole point. It's it's our resurrection as well mm. otherwise there is no resurrection of the dead in 1 Corinthians 15 so our, our body the only bodies if you like in that grave in Palestine is ours our old dead selves that the one that was hanging on Adam the giant mm. and 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 now we are in full union with Christ it's a new we are a new creation yeah. um and so our life is now hidden with Christ and God it's like we're wrapped up in Christ and we're secure in Christ. Um, and that's why, you know, all those moments of pride that we hit throughout the day, it, there, is, there is no you. It's Christ. That you, that you are in the grave. Um, and so, yeah, I really think that is what, well, that's what was Paul's vision was, I think. What he's saying for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Mm. That's what he meant. Yeah. that he is living the life of Christ now in full union with Christ. He is, he is, he is living Christ um, for other people, for the world. Um, yeah. yeah. It really does seem to either encapsulate or really important ways inform all these other doctrines that, uh, that relate to our, uh, our salvation. Could you, um, you, you mentioned John O. Well, you mentioned, 
the relationship between union and communion. And I, I think of Owen there, but you may mm-hmm. have something else in mind. Help us understand how, how does our union relate to our communion and maybe even help us understand what those, what, what's meant when we talk about union and communion. I guess the crunch is that our, our spiritual lives are informed by doctrine. Um, and that is the difficulty with what we're seeing today is that spirituality comes first and then there may be some doctrinal theology that follows that in the spirituality revolution that we're seeing. But in reformed biblical thought, theology informs spirituality. Um, and so our spiritual life has to be informed by our union with Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, Paul says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. So as you received him, that's your, that's his salvation. So walk in him. That's mm-hmm. the spirituality. That's the appropriation, the application rooted and built up in him. And, and it's really alien to New Testament um, thought to, de- to divide the two. Like there's salvation and there's spirituality. There's s- salvation in Christ and there's our Christian life. And there's no wedge, there's no divorce. Those things are wrapped up in one another. Um, and this is the problem where we have, I think, um, a lack of robust uh, spirituality in the church is because sometimes because of our, in recent years, um, centuries perhaps, reformed spirituality has not been what it was back in Calvin's day. And, um, we, we're seeing in recent years a renewal in that, which is great, because people are taking more interest in theology and in doctrine and in Trinitarian thought. And so you're seeing actually our spirituality is being more robust and is growing mm. because mm. our theology is. Um, and so, you know, you can't have a good spirituality without having a good um, a good theology. Um, and so it's our creeds, it's our confessions that feed our doxology and makes it more profound, more worshipful, because we know exactly what's going on. We know that we're in union with Christ mm. and we know that our spirituality isn't based on just our faith and our decisions and how we feel but that union with Christ is a is an ongoing permanent irrevocable state and Mm. something that we can enjoy even when we don't feel like we're enjoying it Mm. whereas our evangelical kind of spirituality that came from kind of 18th century um and 19th century thought was very much that it's how you, it's your faith, it's, can, it's how you feel. It's, it's, it's instead of just this deep truth, profound truth that we are in union with Jesus and he and us and that, and that that's the truth of it. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's moving away from uh, a Christian life that is based on us and mm. it's making it on biblical truth and on God and what he has done and his work through Christ. Yeah. yeah, so that whether or not my quiet time today mm. seemed meaningful or full of <laughs> yeah. the Lord's presence, or, or maybe it didn't happen at all today. And, yeah. um, and so communion with God today doesn't feel that intimate, doesn't feel that mm. near, and yet feeling that way does not change i'm nevertheless united to christ Absolutely. that's an unchanging spiritual reality in which i live and move and have my being uh, 
and and then communion flows out of that. It doesn't uh, define my union, but it uh, it my union makes possible then my uh, the communion that I do have with the Lord. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and we're in so um, in need of that message. Um, you know that hymn that or that rewriting of the hymn, um, Christ will hold me fast. I just love the fact that everybody just grabbed hold of that hymn and just was singing it for like three years nonstop because they just wanted, they wanted that. They needed that spiritual assurance that actually their spiritual life was based on union with Christ and not on their spiritual disciplines and how they performed and yeah, or even how they felt. Um, and like you say, mm-hmm. the, the, the our communion with Christ is fed by that, by our knowledge of the fact that we are in saving union with Christ. Yeah. Well, let's um, let's for a minute pretend I'm I'm pastoring a church and I'm 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 learning about union with Christ, and I'm wondering how how does union with Christ inform what ministry is. And maybe informs what I, as the minister, what I do. Yeah. How would you answer that? So I think so many, having been married to a pastor for many years, it's so easy to um, fall into the thought that your ministry is serving those who pay your salary, um, and and that that's your job. And you're, it's weird because it's not, it's not like any other job. You, you're kind of heading up, you're leading those who are paying your salary. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a bit of a strange dynamic in that way. Um, but that's not what the ministry is. The, first of all, who the pastor is, Christ is his MO. If, if the pastor is a believer in union with Christ, then that's his main point. That's his objective. That Christ is the center and the source and the circumference of everything that he is as a believer. Mm. um and in what he's doing whether he's a pastor or not (laughs) um and uh and so from that um that means his 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 kind of relationship with the church is first and foremost he is in mutual shared union with christ with his brothers and sisters in the church so these are his siblings Mm. um not those that he needs to perform to in order to have a job or make them happy and make the members meetings easier um, but these are his siblings in Christ. Um, but in that, it also redeems you from the, 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 the pastor from this whole, um, you know, this is my church and I'm responsible for it first and foremost, because union with Christ means that Christ is the head of the church. Uh, and so it kind of is a doctrine that puts that back in place for us, that Christ is the head of the local church. And I know that my husband, when he would come home and feel a bit, inflated I'd be like oh darling don't you know at the end of the day it's Christ's church not yours and and obviously mm-hmm. you know what I mean like it doesn't mean that you don't have spiritual responsibility for the flock and everything that we read in, in the New Testament Titus 1 and everything but there's that relax there's that kind of relief and that liberation that first and foremost this flock belongs to Jesus and he is mm-hmm. the head of that flock mm-hmm. um and so there is liberty there um and so I think that's one thing that comes out of union with Christ that if we're all in shared union with Christ, then he is the head and we are the body. Um, and also, I think, um, in relation to what the pastor does, so who the pastor is, uh, it's not your church, almost, um, but what a pastor does, and, and I think essentially the pastor's role is to give people Christ, because 
of what we said. You know, we're saved in Christ. We walk in Christ. Um, it's so easy when you're in ministry to be thinking about programs and um, discipleship um, and, and all these different things, like um, kind of strategies and things. But at the end of the day, it all bogs down to the fact that we give people Christ in the mm. church. And that's again, was Paul's vision, wasn't it, for the church, that we were feeding in 1 Corinthians 12, feeding each other mutually with Christ. Mm. Mm. Um, and so really at the end of the day, the most obvious thing is that it centralizes Jesus back into the church, which sounds really obvious, but actually mm. is really helpful because it's not a club. Um, yeah. it's, not, um, it's not a cult, it's, it's Christ's body. Um, Augustine said that the church was the total Christ because it was Christ and his body. Mm. Christ and the church is the total Christ. Um, and also it's, it centralizes the sacraments as well. So union with Christ is, is the doctrine that undergirds baptism and the Lord's Supper because we're, we're in baptism we, we die with Christ and we're raised with Christ. It's that, that visible symbol of being washed um, as we die with Christ and we are raised with Christ. And the Lord's Supper, we feed on Christ. We talked about John 6. And we, t- we take him in our digestive system, if you like, as a picture um, and, and in, a, in a spiritual reality through the work of the, of the spirit. Um, so it centralizes the, 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 the sacraments in the life of the church as well, which is super mm. necessary. Yeah. So that whether I'm preaching, counseling, leading a Bible study, um, speaking to a youth group, I am holding up Christ. I'm offering him Mm. uh, both to those who would be, who would be, who would desire to be united to him, who who he's calling to be Mm. united to him, but also for believers to remind them you, you are united to him. This is your identity. Mm. Behold Christ with whom Mm. you are united and, and help them see how that then um, goes with them in the car when they, they're cut off mm. by bad drivers <laughs> yeah. back into their homes or into their workplaces. That they're, they're, I, I, I'm, I'm, I hold up Jesus so that they might see and believe the good news <laughs> mm. um, that they're united to him. And yeah. as believers. Mm. Yeah. And praying that his flock, the pastor, you know, yeah. his chief chief end is to pray that the flock would have affection for Christ. Mm. Um, how many pastors spend every day, at least one minute a day, praying that their flock would, that, that the Lord would stir up their affection for Christ. Mm. Um, it's so easy to get bogged down with programs and politics um, but it's just keeping the main thing the main thing. That's what union with Christ does. It keeps the main thing the main thing. Yeah. Well, Natalie, this has been, I know, enriching for me. And we, as we're approaching the end, I wonder if you could recommend some resources that could help us um, go deeper. So maybe as you're, as you're recommending, let's say, I'm completely new to this union with Christ idea. Um, that's maybe one listener, maybe another listener. I'm, I'm a little further down the road. I, I understand the, the, 
the 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 idea the the, the doctrine a little bit, but I'd like to go deeper. What are some resources you would recommend? Yeah, so for um, kind of a newbie, I would really recommend John Murray's book, um, Redemption Accomplished and Applied. I really love it. Um, it outlines the work of, of Christ on the cross, what's actually going on uh, as he accomplishes salvation for us, and then how he applies it, how, mm. the, how, how the triune God, how our triune God applies it. And the chapter on union with Christ just really bit me when I first read it uh, years ago, and that was kind of the beginning of the journey for me. Um, so I really recommend that. I know Mike Rees has written a book um, on union with Christ. I think it's called Life in Christ. Um, I've written one for women called Crazy But True, Connected um, to Jesus for Life. So there's quite a few books out there, kind of popular books on union with Christ. Mm. Um, if you're looking for something more theological, then Bob Lethem's book, Union with Christ, is great. I really liked Mark Garcia's book, Life in Christ, Union with Christ, and Twofold Grace in Calvin's Theology. That's a great book. really like that. Mm. And Jade Todd um, Billings has written a few things on Union with Christ in relation to um, reframing theology and ministry mm. for the church. That's the subtitle to Union with Christ, his first one. And then there's also one in Calvin, um, uh, Participation of the Gift, um, which is a more, I guess, historical theology. And I've heard that one is good. So, yeah, lots, lots of books out there. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, wonderful. Well, again, Natalie, thank you so much for making some time to be with us here on the Reformation Fellowship podcast. We look forward to having you with us two more times, um, but this has been such a rich, great start. Thank you again. Thank you. We're so glad you've joined us here on the Reformation Fellowship podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And please, in all those places, do not hesitate to reach out. Let us know how we can serve you, pray for you, serve your churches in any way possible. God bless.